Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 508 for the 23rd of Nissan in a regular year. Today, we're going to have a little special episode where I'm going to give you a little bit of an insight into another aspect of my life, which many of you who know me personally know is a big part of my life, namely my yoga practice. And specifically when it comes to yoga practice, a big component of this practice is the breathing, is the breath. So for today's episode, as a little bit of an introduction to the subject at hand, which I think is a really neat way to kind of understand what it is that we're going to be learning about, I'm going to give you guys the tools to be able to breathe in such a manner, to have a breathing technique that can really allow you at any moment of any day to come into a very clear, calm, and centered state of mind. So this probably isn't something you thought you were signing up for in listening to a podcast about Tanya, but it's nice to have a little side benefit, right? So, uh, so here we go. So the idea of, so the interesting thing about breathing techniques, there's many, many different types of breathing techniques in yoga, but the most basic of all breathing techniques is actually extremely simple and it doesn't really require a lot of effort at all. Actually, the only effort that it actually requires requires is becoming aware, becoming attuned to your breath. So it's not about controlling your breath in any way. It's not about directing your breath in any way, doing any kind of like really long like breath holds or things like that. There are techniques that involve that, but that's getting more advanced and complicated. But on a basic level to really come into a very deep state of rest and and relaxation and attunement and de-stressing is really just taking a moment to become attuned to your breath. So I want you guys, we'll do this together. Let's take a moment to just notice your body, notice your breath, and see if you can notice the flow of your breath. Notice the inhale and notice the exhale. So I'll take a little pause here while we do this. And you're going to just notice that inhale and exhale flow for maybe just, I don't know, 10 breaths, let's say. And without trying to direct your breath at all, without trying to control it at all, without judging your breath, if it's fast or if it's slow, just see if you can follow this inhale and exhale 10 times, 10 inhales, 10 exhales. So you'd be counting inhale one and exhale two, and exhale. And I'll let you guys continue on your own for the next eight breaths.
So I, I kind of breathed a little faster than I usually do there. Maybe you didn't get through all 10 of those breaths. Maybe you got through more. I'm not sure. I tried to kind of um, attune it to the average here. But just take a moment and notice how maybe you feel a little bit more relaxed now. Notice how that exercise was for you, that feeling of attuning yourself to the inhale and exhale. So why are we talking about this? What does this have to do with Tanya? Well, aside from the fact that maybe now you have a clearer mind and, and are a little bit more centered in being able to focus on what it is that we're going to be learning about, I think it's really interesting to notice that in addition to the breath, having this like back and forth, this inhale and exhale, this ebb and flow, there are lots of other things in life that have this. Your pulse, for example, if you've ever taken your pulse, there's that da-dump, da-dump sound. It's the up and down and up and down. Your heartbeat, if you ever got your heartbeat taken at the doctor or you ever heard or felt your, your own heartbeat or someone else's heartbeat. There's something very meditative and calming about this, about about really resonating with this. They find actually in partners, in uh, romantic, romantic partners in particular, that they often will um, start to resonate with each other's breath and heartbeat. Their heartbeats start to align. Also, there's different studies that show that when two people are in experiments, they you show them the same movie or the same series of images or something like that, the same stimuli, their heartbeats begin to attune to one another. So there's this idea of attuning to different heartbeats, attuning to different uh, breaths. There's this rhythm kind of, of life. And I think that what all of this can really point to and what all of this really does point to is that there really is this grand cosmic rhythm of life on a very small scale inside of our own bodies. But as we'll learn today on a much greater scale in the bigger universe at large. So in Kabbalistic literature and Hasidic literature, there's actually terminology for this, this ebb and flow, this, um, this rhythm of back and forth kind of motion in Kabbalah and Chassidus, we call it Ratzo Veshov, coming and going. And it's actually often likened to the heartbeat, to the breath, to these kind of things. And it really is this energy, like to understand it in a more spiritual kind of way, of God's energy kind of going upwards and his energy coming back down. And as we'll learn today, throughout the day, this energy has is, is manifest in different ways, depending on the time of day. So there's other that have actually tapped into this as well. Like uh, I know in, um, in, in Eastern philosophies and whether it's in China or in India in the, in like those medicinal kind of like um, philosophies and traditions, there's also an idea of like how every part of the day, whether it's nighttime, whether it's, it's morning or evening or whatever has a different energy to it. We know physiologically that our body temperature shifts depending on the time of day that it's, that we're in. Our energy levels, our hormones, our neurochemicals change as we go through the day, which is why jet lag can be so discombobulating to the system because your body is like, what energy am I supposed to be tapping into now? What time is it? What day is it? Where am I? That kind of thing. So today we're going to be learning about how these spiritual energies exist and we won't get into them too much in depth in terms of what they are and everything. But what we will talk about is about how we really are obligated to tap into, to work on trying to tap into these spiritual energy. 
by really having an outward focus and trying to focus away from ourselves and towards God. So we already have been talking about in the previous episodes and especially in yesterday's episode about how really the ultimate is to really come into this state of total surrender, total surrender of the self to God, like real soul, total self-abnegation entirely. Um, and so these med- so what we'll learn today is that the way to do this really in a very practical way is to really start to cultivate a meditative sense, like really meditate at key times throughout the day on this idea, on trying to bring ourselves into this resonance with the ultimate rhythm of life, this pulse, this greater pulse of life. Because if you think about it, like when we talk about this, um, when we talk about like breathing, you know, going back to the breathing technique that we did. So people have this like funny misconception that they think that like in order to breathe in a way that will promote wellness and relaxation and all that stuff, you need to really try really hard and like focus a lot on trying to control your breath and what we have really learned when we did our breathing technique earlier is it's actually about letting go of control the more you let go of control the more you can attune yourself to what your breathing is already doing this is what's going to bring you the relaxation that you so crave so it's more about getting out of the way rather than trying so hard and we'll find that the same thing is true when it comes to spirituality and this attunement that we're trying to gain through tapping into this greater rhythm of the universe is it's really about shifting the focus away from ourselves and bringing the focus towards God towards the creator of the universe so let's get into the text and see how the altar explains all of this so the altar says that with this preparation of self-sacrifice to God, so remember we were talking already about this yesterday, about how really ultimately the ultimate goal of the godly soul, which is like the deepest part of who we are, like the most, the part of us that's really a part of God itself, wants nothing more but to sacrifice itself to God, to give itself over to God and return back to its source. So the way to prepare to be able to do this, says the Altar Rebbe, is in the beginning of when we say the morning prayers, when we say, so when we say these morning prayers, this is actually when we should begin to try to cultivate this sense of self-abnegation, of self-sacrifice. And in this preparation to do for, for this, uh, as part of this preparation, a person should also learn regularly right after praying. So it's like we say our morning prayers in the morning and then right after praying, then we should, then we should have a regular regimen of some type of Torah learning that we learn and so too in the middle of the day before one embarks on learning more so this is this was the altar rabbi was mainly talking to people who involve themselves a lot with Torah study but really this can apply to anybody so at some point hopefully all of us at some point during our day would try to take time to learn some Torah like you're doing right now for example so the altar rabbi is saying that before we actually embark on this Torah study in the middle of the day we should try to get ourselves into this state of to prepare even just a little bit because as is known that the main aspect of this preparation that is essential, like is indispensable in the learning of the Bainani, which is the intermediate man, is this preparation, is this meditation upon this idea of self-sacrifice. And now the altar by gives the example of where this we can see a similar type of idea behind this is when it comes to writing a get, writing a bill of divorce, or so to writing a Sefer Torah, that 
a person needs to have in mind the right intention when they write these things. And so you can't, if, if a person has the wrong intention while they are writing a bill of divorce or while they're writing a Saver Torah, that bill of divorce or that Saver Torah is not good. It's, it actually becomes disqualified. So, and it's enough, says the ultra rabbit, that even right before they start writing it, then the person declares and says, here, I am writing this Saver Torah or I'm writing this get for the sake of the holiness of the Saver Torah or in the case of a get that it's specifically for so-and-so for whoever it is that you're writing the get for. So like if somebody writes the get but doesn't have in mind the people that they're writing the get for, again, it becomes disqualified. So again, the state of mind that we have really, really makes a very big difference. And then the ultra goes on to say that and if a person learns for many hours on end, then a person really needs to meditate a lot in this preparation that we've been talking about at not only just as a one-time thing but actually at every hour because and this is what I spoke about a little bit in the introduction in every single hour of the day there's a different influence that comes down from the supernal worlds to vivify the lower realms down here and this life force that comes down this vitality that came down from uh at one hour then in the next hour it actually returns back to its place and then in brackets here the altar says that this is the secret of the rotsova shov that is written about in Sefer Yitzhira. so i i alluded to this i mentioned the rotsova shov briefly at the beginning this is the running and returning energy this ebb, ebb and flow like this grand grand pulsing energy of the universe and so with all of the torah and the good deeds of the lower realms this causes the energy to revert back to its source. So it's like we are kind of like co-creating the universe with our deeds. And because at every single hour of the day, there's a different um, combination of the the 12 combinations of the name of Havaya, the Tetragrammaton. So the Tetragrammaton has 12 different combinations, like permutations to it, basically. And so for each one of those, each permutation each combination corresponds to a different hour of the day so it's so there's 12 hours in the day like daytime hours and each one of those has a corresponding combination of the name Yudkevavke to it and then what about nighttime so nighttime also has 12 hours in it right and so here there are 12 combinations of the name Adnos which is another name of God that also have corresponding each one of those combinations corresponds to one hour of the night. So it's really interesting to think about this. And the ultra doesn't really get into, you know, what each one is or whatever. And it seems to imply that it's not that important to know what each one is, at least for the average person. The main thing is to know that these things exist. And the main thing is try to attune ourselves to the fact that these energies do exist and try to really become aware of this like state of the cosmic state of flow of energy and vitality in the world and that it's not enough to just like do it as a one-time thing in the morning and then you're good throughout the day because the energy changes throughout the day just like for example if we go back to our breathing technique that we did in the beginning if you attuned yourself to your breathing like right like how we did in the beginning so can you say like, okay, I attuned myself to my breath as a one-time thing. I'm good to go for the rest of the day. No, right? Like every so often you really, if, you know, eventually it becomes habit and eventually people who practice a lot of yoga or do a lot of breathing techniques, you do start to notice your breath throughout the day in a more regular kind of way, in a more habitual uh, kind of way. But 
as we're still practicing, and even when you do become more adept at it, it's something that needs to be constant. It's something that you need to constantly check in with yourself. How is my breathing doing? What am I breathing right now? So same thing with the breathing, the rhythm of the universe. This is something that needs to be continuous throughout the day. It's not like a once and done kind of thing. And then the ultra rabbit goes on to uh, bring this, tie this back into the discussion that we've been having previously about having this intention of surrendering your life, surrendering your soul to God, to your creator, to your source, um, and how this is truly the desire of every Jewish person. So the ultra rabbit says that here, his entire intention of self-sacrificing his life to God through his Torah and through his prayer to um, to to raise up this spark of godliness that is inside of him in the godly soul to its source should be just in order to give Hashem nachas, in order to bring God pleasure. Like, for example, when we talk about the joy of a king, when his son comes to him, when his only son comes to him out of captivity. So let's say you had a prince who is in captivity and then the prince comes back and uh, comes out of jail and goes back to the father. So just imagine the great joy that the king will have upon seeing the son that was held in captivity. This is similar similar to, this is likened to the joy that God will have when this godly soul returns back to him. And now the altar says that this intention is true truth. It's tr totally authentic, completely in every single Jewish person at any moment and any time since they have this innate natural love, since we all have this innate natural love that was given to us as a an inheritance from our forefathers. However, the altar concludes here and he says, we still do need to set aside specific times to meditate upon the greatness of God, to try to understand to the best of our ability and cultivate this fear and love of God in an intellectual way. And Perhaps through this meditation and contemplation, we will come to this deeper sense of God that's not just like this innate love and fear of God, but we'll come to this higher level of God that it stems from intellectual pursuits, but then does result in a more passionate type of love of God, as we already talked about previously in previous episodes. Uh, so that is it for today. And so we've concluded chapter 41. And so just in conclusion, just to bring it back to what we were talking about, the undiscovered self, the selfless self. So Carl Jung really focuses more on the negative aspects of the self, at least in that book. I haven't, I'm, I'm not an expert in Carl Jung at this point, but um, the ultra Rebbe is telling us that we should really focus in on the positive aspects of ourself, at least here, at least at this moment, in terms of trying to develop this selfless relationship with God and trying to have our service be one that is really selfless to the point that it's not only about having our godly soul expire within God because it feels good for the godly soul to do this, but to be truly selfless in the sense that we're doing it for God's sake because we know how much joy it brings to the king. And this is something that we all innately have. And it's just about really awakening it within ourselves and becoming aware of it. And not only that, but we shouldn't just suffice with this innate love, but we should also try to cultivate a more intellectual and meditative type of love and use our minds to the best of our ability to try to understand God so we can we can deepen in our relationship with him. And this will be elaborated upon further. So that's it for today. And we will continue tomorrow when we begin chapter 42. I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. 
If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.